Hello. Hello. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie. And this is episode three, talking about projects and the best practices for projects. Yes, and why projects are awesome and how to make them even better. Projects rule. Kids love them. They do. They're almost always one of the favorites at the end of the year when you ask kids about it. Teachers, they can be tough to plan. They can, <laughs> yes. So hopefully we'll have some tips and tricks to make it um, a little smoother and a little better for you. But because we're talking about projects, we got to do the classic project disclaimer. I like that. Project yeah. disclaimer. Project disclaimer. We are not talking about project-based learning. We support it. We love it. Oh, 100%. But that's a whole different ball game, And maybe we can talk about that later. Um, but that's often, you know, like where all of the learning is centered on projects. A lot of the times it's built into the structure of the course or the school. Um, those schools are incredible, by the way. Yeah, those project-based learning schools and those teachers that make those projects happen, they're heroes. Yes, they're amazing. Um, and if you ever get the chance to, you know, like tour or observe or anything, um, highly recommend. But that's that's another field. We're not really digging into that today. We're looking at classroom projects, right? So end-of-unit projects or projects that are their own unit or even science fair, anything where, you know, students are creating a project. Right. Famous yeah. projects that your school has. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, a lot of times it's it can be daunting the first time you build a project into a unit. It can. But then it, it starts becoming some of the things that the kids look forward to every year. And that we look forward to every year, right? Yeah. 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 You see, you know, older siblings will do a project and then the, un the younger kids will come in and be like, oh, are we still doing, you know, the Renaissance project? Yeah. Are we still doing an egg drop? That's the best. Oh, the egg drop is awesome. Yeah. So we were just going to spend a couple minutes talking about why we love projects and why we think um, they should happen. And then a bunch of tips of, of just like throwing a bunch of tips at you about how to make them even better. Right. If you're, if you're approaching a new project and you're going to do some planning, you'll have some tips and tricks that you can take away from this episode to make your projects not only the best that they can be, but to make the lift as effortless as possible on your end. Yep and make it easier year after year. So let's do it. Let's get into it. Okay, so a couple reasons why. Um, the first one sounds a bit obvious, but it's to assess, right? And specifically, projects are really good at assessing skills. Projects are very skill heavy. Um, so you can use projects to assess things like research, writing, design, um, different, all kinds of different scientific skills, right? For like the egg drop or different labs or things like that. Yeah. A lot of the things that are built into the science standards, they call them the, the engineering practices. And those are generally project, you know, they're project focused. Yeah. They're about looking at a problem, solving that problem, building and engineering something to make our world a better place. And so of course you can have, you know, multiple choice questions that touch on that, but to, to get a more, kind of robust measure of a student's ability to do that skill. It's, I think it's more like authentic to do it with a project. And you always hear, you know, it's back to school night and parents will come in and they'll ask like, so what are some of the projects that you'll do? That's true. And, you know, those are really the, the marketable skills in the classroom that, that families love coming back to because they're like, oh, I remember when my kid did, you know, the, the disease research project. Yes. Well, and that's one of the other things I was thinking of for like why projects are great is they're creative and they're fun. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes we should do something in our classrooms just because they're fun. 
And like you said, those are the things that kids tend to remember at the end of the year or even years later. And it's okay to do things simply to create joy and keep kids engaged and happy. That's okay. But I, I like that you were saying from the beginning, one of the foundations of a project is to assess a skill. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's research. Maybe it's how well you design. Maybe it's how well you engineer something. Yeah. And there can be multiple layers to those skills. Yeah, for sure. And then I think another thing that projects are great for is that they're just so student-centered, right? That it's taking away the stage on the stage. I know we can all, I, I can slip into that sometimes. Um, and it's putting kids really in the forefront of their learning And that's, I mean, that's really important to do as often as we can, but it can be hard during the year when we have so many standards to hit and so many lessons to do. And so projects can really balance that out and kind of return some autonomy, I think, to student learning. That's a good point. Like, especially when you have, you know, your, your formative tests or your midterms or your maps testing, Mm -hmm. and then you've got your spring testing, you can feel a lot of pressure to drill and kill all of these standards oh yeah from a very you know five step seven step lesson plan focus that you think where where can i actually do a project absolutely but yeah go ahead well and and that's why i'm happy that we're talking about this because i think it's it's okay to prioritize a project yep you know and they can be really high quality so you were starting to get into this where you say i mean they're student-driven yeah. They they change the ratio. They take away the lecture, the sage on the stage. And like they're great for all kinds of kids. Yes. One of my favorite things about projects is the kids that don't normally shine in a traditional classroom, the ones who aren't the great test takers or the great quiz takers, but they're, they're the builders. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of times you see different, different modalities come out from kids. Absolutely. Like different competencies come out. Yeah, that's so true. And I love like the first project I do um, lately has, is it hits around late October, early November. And you're starting to get to know the kids pretty well at that point. But that project is when you really see who they are. And kids who have been a little quiet, a little, you know, you don't necessarily get the vibe that they're excited to be there they're suddenly asking questions and putting in more work sometimes than you're asking for because they're really excited about a certain modality or a certain topic or something. Yeah. I always like, you know, you see the kids that are straight A's on the tests. Mm-hmm. They crush the quizzes. They, they crush the test. They're up all night studying. But when a project comes along and they lose a little bit of that sense of control, yeah, they have to be more resilient, especially when it doesn't go well. Yeah. Like when we've done our egg drop projects, some of my, you know, my most academically gifted kids won't do as well on the egg drop project because there's other things that come into play, like, you know, the weather on that day, the wind that comes in, and they have to be resilient and they'll see some of their other classmates shine who who haven't shown earlier in the year. Yeah, and you can't just memorize and and perform and regurgitate exactly and do well. You have to, I mean, that comes back to the skills, right? You have to problem solve in such a different way than you do on an exam and so yeah I love that because I think projects are really good for your kids who tend to struggle with traditional assessments and they're good for your kids who tend to crush traditional assessments because it forces them to use different skills and maybe learn some new lessons yep yeah 
you can always make the real world connection too. Like, oh yeah. You, there's always the the general like, what's your job? Oh, I'm a project manager. Yes. <laughs> what does that really mean? Oh, I manage projects. Like I manage teams and we build stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and you manage the timelines and all the, all the things that they need to do do come into play mm -hmm. in the real world. Absolutely. So we got the why. Yeah. I think we can all agree. I think every teacher knows that projects are good, they're valuable, yep. and, and we support them. Yep, for so sure. So what are some of the best practices? So we have quite a list that we brainstormed when we were getting ready for this. Um, and we'll just go through them. I think the first one is to have a very clear goal so that there's purpose behind all the time spent on that project, right? And so like any other unit or, or chunk of learning, have your knowledge and skills, right? What are you driving towards during that unit? Um, make sure there's alignment either to prior learning or to the knowledge and skills you just pulled out, but just make sure it's as clear and concise and purposeful as any other unit you would do. I love that. Yeah. Same way. Like if you're backwards planning a traditional unit, we'll call it, you're going to list your knowledge and skills. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing if you're going to do a project. Like what knowledge are they going to acquire? Yep. Maybe through research. And then what skills are they going to demonstrate? Yeah. Or learn for the first time, right? Yeah. Or practice. Yeah. Absolutely. And obviously they're aligned and they're skill-based. Yeah. And then I think another thing that can make it better is to... Think of how, how you want to evaluate their performance or mastery through this unit, right? So obviously rubrics, I mean, that's kind of the classic form yep. Yep. of evaluation for a project. Um, and there are so many rubrics online that you can Google. And I mean, obviously you can make your own, but you know, there's, there's a lot there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If we take a quick detour on rubrics. Yeah. I always think I mean, you... The very best planning will have your rubric done up front. Yes. And you'll share your rubric with the kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes kids can look at rubrics as a checklist and they'll say, okay, I will get an A or I'll get a four out of four if it has these components. Yeah. And a great rubric should have that sliding scale from, you know, it exceeds expectations, it meets expectations, it approaches. Yep. With clear language about what the teacher will be looking for to determine, you know, is it a two? Is it a three? Is it a four? That's a great point because it's not just, I mean, you know, sometimes kids are transactional with their learning and they're like, I did the thing. Give me the grade. Give me the grade. And projects can be really good to teach them quality is important. Yep. And, and you know, sometimes the time you spend on something equals the quality and sometimes it doesn't. And that's a really good lesson for them to learn. And it's good for them to know like, Everybody here in this room is graded, you know, on the same rubric, mm -hmm. but it's going to be hard to know if you're really exceeding expectations when you look at your neighbor's project and it's amazing. Right. Right. Like that. And I think that really shows the kids what, you know, one, the talent of their classmates. Yeah. But what it really does take to go above and beyond. Yeah. And absolutely. to be truly impressive. And then, you know. Once you have your knowledge and skills, like we were saying before, then you can really pull your rubric there to make sure it's all just watertight, super, um, super clear for everyone. And then exemplars. Yes. Like, I think the greatest thing is when you have a recurring project year after year and you can keep somebody's project from the year prior. Yes. And maybe you don't tell the kids up front that like this was a perfect project. Right. But, you know, this was a this was a high quality example. 
Yeah. Or this is this is an example of what so and so did before. I love doing that like, I don't know, a couple days in when they're they've got their feet under them, they they have an idea and then you like pull out this beautiful example and they're like what? Like I'm going to create something like that. And you're like, "Yeah, you will." You know, and it it's um it can be like a little daunting for them, but then they they see what they're capable of doing and a lot of the times you see them get better and better year after year because I think they're always trying to like go a little better than the example they saw Mm -hmm. you know I love that yeah um and then I think part of evaluation too we often think of just the big evaluation at the end but there's lots of smaller points of evaluation throughout like just formative checks right and giving them some pieces of feedback and like mini evaluations along the way so that they don't get slammed at the end. You know, a lot of the time projects are big grades and you don't want to wait until the very end to show them that they've been missing key components and then, you know, their grade tanks because of it. You can kind of think of it like the the paper analogy, right? Like if you have a huge paper coming up, it's really great if you turn in a rough draft and then you get to revise it and then exactly. you turn in another rough draft. During a project, you should have different checkpoints that you get formative grades on so that you know, one, you're on track, or there's a yep. couple things that you might need to improve. Yep, it absolutely. Does, the pacing too. I mean, how many times do you have a project? I know, I'm trying to think of all the times that my parents stayed up late <laughs> helping me with a book report or helping me with some paper mache thing. Yep. Just because, one, I I wasn't doing a good job <laughs> keeping up with the pace. Fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm sure we've all been there. And... If you're a teacher who's a parent right now, like I'm, I'm sure you've seen it yourself, <laughs> but the the easier and the more clear that you can make the checkpoints along the way, yeah. obviously it helps everybody. Well, and that's another like best practice that we have is the timeline, right? So have a crystal clear due date, have clear checkpoints, because to your point, it's, it's, I, I really don't think that kids are trying to put it off you know it's like they think in their minds especially for certain age groups oh no problem I got this you know and then they start it and they realize oh this is going to take eight hours I should have started it two weeks ago right (laughs) when kids are busy these days that's a really good point I mean they're I'm not going to say they're they're over scheduled Mm -hmm. but they're doing a lot they're doing a lot they got sports they have music Yep. They feel community I mean, service. Yeah. Kids are specializing at younger ages. Yeah. There's this pressure that that you need to have this wonderful resume going into college. I know. Yeah. So if we can, you know, you don't have to have every single thing perfectly planned out. We're doing the best we can during the school year. But if you can give them those checkpoints like, hey, this draft is due on Wednesday the 3rd. And I'll give you feedback over the weekend. And then this piece is due, you know, just have like, have it chunked for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tweak that based on like your age group and what's developmentally appropriate. Some of the pro teachers at my school will draw out the calendar on the whiteboard mm-hmm. just so the kids know exactly where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Check it off each day. Check it off each yeah, day. That's a good visual too. Because a lot of the times time can seem very nebulous to certain younger people. <laughs> and on that same thread... The projects help with different executive functioning skills, like mm-hmm. the planning and making sure that, hey, if you have three weeks to do this, yeah, you're not going to do it all on that last week. Right. You know, or the last night. Right. <laughs> do you have some type of agenda, whether it's paper, whether it's digital, yeah. that you're keeping track of your progress? Yeah. I love that. 
And another sort of best practice like bucket, you made me think of this one next, is differentiation. Mm -hmm. Um, Executive functioning made me think of that. Obviously, we should always be checking our accommodations. Units, you know, at the beginning of a unit or before a project is always a good time to like refresh that. Um, But in general, projects can be really cool and really fun for differentiating because you can target different learning modalities and ways that can be pretty hard to do during a standard, like a more standard lesson, mm-hmm. you know? I think another thing that can be really good for differentiating too is there's so much work time that's often built into projects that you can use that for one-on-one coaching time with kids who need just a little extra love during you know, certain skills. Um, and that's a perfect time to do that. You're making me think of when you have you know, a design stage mm-hmm. and you set up your classroom, maybe you have different stations, but you can give that one-on-one individual attention or that small group attention to those kids who who need that accommodation. Yeah. And, you know, who need those private sentence starters or who need those different supports, that scaffolding that comes in yep. that, that really only happens when you can be there while they're working on it in front of you and you don't have to manage the rest of the class Exactly. You know, or you know a kiddo needs a little extra support with writing. And we do our best, but, you know, it can be really hard during the school year, during during a standard lesson to have one-on-one time with someone. But during that, that work time, that research time, you can sit right next to a kid and say, let's write our outline together or let's design your egg drop template together. You know, like like whatever it is that they need help with, you can actually spend like way more uninterrupted time with them. I love too that during the projects, especially in research, you see the kids that are really good at the internet. Yes. Like they find great YouTube videos or they'll find some, you know, they'll find some patent or <laughs> some design that someone published before that they're trying to mimic yeah. online. You're like, how did you even dig that up? Yeah. Yeah. And then you learn more about that kid. They have a really cool skill and they finally got to flex it because when do you get to use that skill during, you know, normal operating hours? The projects also give you time to write really good notes about their progress. Yeah. Maybe you have to do report card comments. Yes. And you can can really get the highlights during those projects. And you could say, you know, so-and-so was really impressive with their blueprint. Yeah. And that's a side of them that hadn't, that hadn't been seen before. Yeah. That's something parents love to hear. You know, if you're looking to reach out or, I mean, obviously, like you said, if you have a built-in system like comments or something, but you can also just send an email um, or if you see parents at pickup or something, it can be really cool to share those specific tidbits with them. And parents love when you take the photos of the projects in progress and you send it home. You know, they see what their kids are doing during the day. That's good. That's a pro move. That's A plus all around. I love that. I, I need to... I need to do that one. <laughs> we have to remember that because so much of project, you know, project learning, I almost mm-hmm. said project-based learning, <laughs> so much of our project learning does happen at home, especially if they have to bring something in or yes. if they have to go get any supplies. So the parents are in on it too. Yeah. And the more clear you can be about when certain things are due or what the expectations are, that helps bridge the gap between school and home. For sure. It helps invest in relationships with families. Oh, absolutely. I feel like during projects, that's when I tend to have the most like positive 
joyful communication with families um, because sometimes they need clarification around the due dates. Yep. Um, and sometimes, you, you know, they're doing their best. And they're like, I don't really know what this is supposed to look like. And that can be super fun to have those conversations with them. Let's dig into a little bit more about the that timeline. Yeah. Because I think during a project, sometimes what should teachers be doing? Like they're... The kids might be working independently mm-hmm. and, you know, you're circulating and you're checking in with small groups. You're giving those, those accommodative pieces to those students who need it. Yeah. But I love when, you know, at the end of the class, you can get all of the kids together and you can do a show call and oh, you can take great. somebody's work and you can say, hey, your opening paragraph or your blueprint or your mock-up right here yeah. is is really, really impressive. Do you mind if I show it to the class? Yes. And you can use that as such a good teachable moment to show the other learners in there, like, look what this person has come up with. You can give them all sorts of positive praise. And you can say like, I love that your blueprint is to scale. Or I love that you used, you know, SketchUp and you did it digitally. Yeah. And it's really impressive when you compare it to this person's who drew it by hand. Like, look how similar they are. Yeah. But these show calls, not only do they elevate the conversation of the project and they make the kids feel good, but if your kids are a little bit lost, it gives them direction. I love that. And like, we know that oftentimes kids would, they listen to each other better than they listen to adults sometimes. And so we can give them a rubric. We can tell them what to do. We can give them feedback. But when they see the person who sits two desks down from them, do an amazing job that can be the right kind of wake-up call like a little bit of really healthy pressure to say oh shoot like (laughs) that's good that's what other people are doing and it can be a a really good little kick in the pants especially if you do it sooner than later so they still feel that they have agency and and the ability to change their own work like i know that a lot of projects, especially research projects, have a heavy written component. Mm-hmm. And when you can put a student's intro paragraph up on the board and you ask the kids, like, what's really good in here? What do you like? Yeah. And they'll step up and they'll say, you know, I love the vocab that they used or their yep. thesis statement is amazing. Yep. And then you can ask others, what can you learn from this person's project that you can borrow and put in yours. Yeah. Or now that we looked at so-and-so's, look at your own, right? Do you have everything that we just pulled out that we saw up on the screen? Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. What can you do about it? You know, and, and get them to update theirs. And then if, if you can do that consistently, then everyone's project is going to be better, right? And the quality is going to be better all around for everyone involved. So what if we take a, another step into this and we say we're talking about projects in general you've got group projects and you've got individual projects yes that's that's a yeah that's a whole nother thing to consider when planning a project so i think there's pros and cons to both right i think that each one kind of lends itself to a different skill set for the kids and different things for us to consider so I guess for an individual project, some of the things that I love that I think are good about that is it keeps each kid is super accountable for their work Um, and each kid has total autonomy. So Mm -hmm. anything that involves choice, that child gets to pick what they want 
And that can be really cool and really powerful for a lot of kids, especially like you said, kids who tend to shine in different modalities, you know? Yep. Yeah. And then for the group project, sometimes those group projects, that's when you see a little bit of friction between the kids. You can. You can. Like there's almost always the opportunity for someone to come in and say, my partner's not doing anything. <sighs> always. So <laughs> always every year when I'm reflecting on the best things to do for group projects, I think earlier in the year, it's better when you assign the groups Yeah. later in the year when you have no, when you get to know the kids better, like they're going to want to work with their friends. Yes. And I notice when, when there's that end of the year project where you want them to be in a group, you have to open it up to say, if you don't want to work with anybody, if you want to work alone, that's okay. See, I think that's a great way of differentiating because, you know, some people get really anxious around group work um, and it's almost it's it's almost not worth it. So I like to give that option and I think that's another pro of the group work, right? So good things about the individual, but again, if you're working by yourself on a project, that can feel overwhelming. Whereas if you're in a group, you can hopefully share the responsibility, right? So it's all just... There's so many different things to consider, but you're right. If it's a group project, there's a lot of group skills, teamwork skills involved, and there there will be issues. It's just part of yep. being a person, you know? I like telling the kids too, you're probably going to have some friction with your project mm-hmm. or with your partner. Yep. And just know that if you come up to me and you say, hey, I'm, I'm having an issue with my partner. Can you facilitate a discussion? Yeah. Like that's going to be my go-to is to say, I'm I'm not going to separate you. Yeah. Like unless there's an emergency, of right? Of course, like, of course. Unless there's a, a really good reason to, to separate you, my goal is going to be to help you work together. Yeah. And so just I'll tell them from the beginning, anytime there's some friction between you guys, it's just a communication breakdown. Exactly. Right? Like, if you feel like your partner's not doing any work, maybe you don't know your partner's schedule or maybe there's some reason that your partner doesn't have access to it. But we don't know. We don't know. And we need to talk we, about it. We need to find out. Yeah. And that happens ev- every year, every year. Um, and I, I always tell them, you know, this is going to be an icky conversation. This is going to feel so uncomfortable. And then walk them through it and ask them if they'd like me there or not. But... Ultimately, what ends up happening is that now we have a young person who just had a really difficult conversation, and there are so many adults that aren't great at having difficult conversations that that's actually a good thing in the long run that they went through that because now we're teaching yet another skill in this project, which is conflict resolution and communication and listening, and it it ends up actually being a good thing in the long run, you know? Right. There's so many other rich opportunities for development yes that might not really be there in i'm just going to say your traditional lesson sure right i mean i think that's a fair thing to say so okay we've taken like a, a pretty big look at projects you know we've talked about the best practices starting with your goal mm-hmm. communicating how it's going to be evaluated looking for your ways to differentiate for all learners yep talking about whether it's group or it's individual one of the best things about projects is you get to really reflect on your work. Yes. And I think that's a huge key component at the end of any project. And again, any grade level. Like I've seen littles do this um, really effectively just with teacher facilitation. But that reflection piece of, you know, 
getting really meta about the executive functioning. Did I manage my time well? Um, could I have planned things differently? But also just the celebration of of what they created. Because usually at the beginning of the project, especially if you pull out a good exemplar, they're like, I, I no can't way. do that. Yeah. No way. No way. I can't do that. Like I have to have how many slides? It has to be how many pages? Yep. I have to build that. My bibliography needs to be how long? Annotated? Yep. What? And then they do it. They and they, do. they always end up doing it. And that's a really cool thing to let them reflect on and celebrate. And it's super exciting if you can... If you can make a portfolio out of all of their projects for the year oh, I love or that. all of their projects from elementary school to middle school to high school, yeah. like it's really fun. You, know, you you store that stuff away. You come back when you're an adult and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember when I did this project. Yeah. Like I remember making this map of the world and like look at all the facts that I have here. But when they can sit down and reflect on the things that they did well, I mean, it helps their social and emotional development. For sure. You know, it's it's just good practice to see, you know, how did you feel when you approached this project? How did you feel in the middle of it? And mm-hmm. then now how do you feel at the end? And what can you do differently as you approach projects in the future? I love that. Like, what are you proud of? What would you like to do differently in the future? Um, none of it needs to be punitive. You know, it's all moving forward and looking ahead and, and celebrating because that that should never go um you know celebration is is a huge piece of learning i think and we should always give it its its spotlight when we can do you have any favorite projects from years past oh my gosh yes um one was a research-based project where kiddos got to pick a country and they had to design different celebrations for that country but they all had to be rooted in the country's history so they did a ton of research um which that was the skill it was a research skill but then they got to get really creative in how they were presenting that information and kids would get so into it and I could see that they were spending way more time than was allocated because they enjoyed it you know yeah how about you I always think about the the physics projects that I've seen and done. Like the egg drop project, kids crush that. They love that. That's just a tried and true favorite. Yeah, and you can do, you can make all sorts of constraints with it. Or even you can do mini projects like building the straw tower or the Rube Goldberg machines. Oh, I just thought of another one. What's up? I did this one years ago, but I had a, um, we were writing a persuasive essay but they had to do um, – so we had to include some research too. And so we had it framed around graffiti and whether graffiti's art. And so they had to pull up different pieces of graffiti, research the story behind them, um, who the artist was, the history of the city involved, and then argue whether or not that was art or vandalism. Yeah. Um, that was a really cool – that was with eighth grade. That was a super cool one. I like that one. Yeah. You just made me think – We've done the dissections before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are a project because sometimes after the dissection, you'll do some type of presentation or you'll do a video tour of the organs in the body. Yeah. Uh, we've done a disease research project where everybody is given you know, a disease and they become experts on that disease. And then they present the disease to the class like they're at a, a medical conference. That's super cool. I love that. Lots of science fairs. I was just thinking of what, what what about when you were a kid? What project did your parents help you the most with? Oh my gosh. I 
I had a project um, of the, it wasn't even really a project. It was like a display, but I was making, I was little and I was making a display of the solar system Uh and it was supposed to be roughly to scale, basically like the sun needed to be bigger, you know, things like that. Um, And I was intent on it being all fruit. I don't know why. And so, but my poor mom was like, it, like then the sun needs to be a grapefruit and earth needs to be a blueberry. You know, she was trying so hard to keep the size um, somewhat accurate. And I was just, I was just like picking random fruit from the grocery store because yep. I wanted a peach and a plum and a. <laughs> it was, like this would be a great Saturn. <laughs> I forgot about that. I should ask her about that. <laughs> I remember I did a project on Mount Everest and I think I was in fifth grade mm-hmm. and my parents were amazing and they helped me make this paper mache mountain of mount everest and it had all the camps in it and the surrounding mountains and and now i'm just looking back now and thinking they were they were amazing helping out with that (laughs) because i walk in yeah (laughs) you know when the kids walk in with the big project yeah it's it's like bigger than them yeah it's bigger than them and they're kind of low-key proud and somewhat embarrassed to be carrying the project in yep uh it's Uh funny now being a teacher looking back at back at it saying did you do all of that Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes it's like, oh, you got too much parent help. And uh-huh. then other times you're like, I would have loved if you had a little Just bit more t- parent help. <laughs> oh. But no, projects are, they're so great. And they, you know, I mean, the school year ended not that long ago. And I did a Google form just for myself, um, for my kids to see some of the things they loved, some of the things that weren't their favorite. And Almost all of them had one of our projects as as their favorite piece of the year. You, you made me think whether you have semesters or trimesters, a big part of their grade, they should have the opportunity to do a project. Yes. You know, especially if they're not the greatest test takers or quiz takers. Yep. If they have another way to show their skills. Yep. It's just going to make them feel better. Absolutely. It's, it's actually a big piece of equity, I would say. You got any other best practices? Not that I can think of. Just play around with projects. Make sure that you like them too. Have fun with them. Um, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Win-win. Yeah. Well, that's great. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.